Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It is good to see each and every one of you here this morning in If you're new, maybe new to church or new to NCC, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Aaron, and I'm the lead pastor here um, at New Community Church, and we're excited that you're with us. Um, We are a church that's passionate about making people and places new. And as we mentioned earlier, we're in the last week of this series called Better Together. We're having a little bit of fun with it, but we're talking about how we're meant to be in relationship with each other. How God has put us together and he's connected us and designed us to be with other people that we're not, to meant, we're not meant to live as Christians or in any part of our life on our own. But we were designed to be with each other and we're actually better when we're together. We believe that. And so we've looked at scripture the past few weeks and looked at what God says about these relationships and how he's designed us and how he's meant for us to live We started the first week and we talked about the church and how excited God is about the church, what he believes and what he says about the church. And then the next week we talked about the disciples and this group of 12 young men that Jesus was very intentional with that he poured his life into and he um, started these relationships to really develop them um, together. And we looked at the impact that that had and how we need to kind of mirror that. And last week, we shifted a little bit, but we talked about better together in light of the church um, really being unified. And we see so much going on in the world around us. And so last week, we talked about how, as the church, we stand up against injustice, against racism, wherever we find it. We oppose those things as the church. And how also, when we see moments of tragedy, we pray and we grieve together. We don't point fingers, we don't start to blame or start to judge who was wrong, who was right. But first off, we grieve together as the church and we hurt with those people who have experienced loss and then we pray together and we ask for God to show up in people's lives through what they are going through. And so we're gonna actually pause for a moment before we get into the message today and we're gonna do that. And some of you may know that, that on your way to church this morning or while you were getting up and getting ready that there's been another tragic accident in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And there were seven police officers who were shot. Four of them are injured. Three of them are killed. And that just took place this morning. And I cannot imagine what those families are going through, what people are feeling or experiencing in that town when they've already um, had so much uprest over the past week. But we're going to join together as a church and we're going to pray for them. And I'm going to ask you to do that with me um, right now. Let's lift up our voice together. God, I come before you, Lord, and I don't have the adequate words at this time, Lord, for what is taking place and what's going on in our world, Lord. We all feel the brokenness that's happening, God. We all see it around us in the news, Lord, in France this week, Lord, this morning, God, in Louisiana. You know exactly what's taking place. And God, first off, Lord, God, we just come before you repentant, God, sorrowful, Lord, that we continue to break, God, we continue, Lord, to hurt each other, Lord, to hurt one another. And God, we just come before you asking forgiveness for our nation, Lord, asking forgiveness for our world, God. We grieve with those that are hurting this morning, and we pray your comfort, God, in your spirit over families, God, over couples, Lord, over friends, Lord, God, that have lost someone close to them this morning, God. We speak protection over police 
police officers, God, not just in Louisiana, but all over our nation, Lord, that this morning, once again, God, we ask for your hand, Lord, and your spirit to work in ways, God, that we can't, God, for you to extend love, God, and kindness and grace and your comfort, Lord, to people that desperately need it this morning. God, we ask for this in your name. Amen. Amen. Church, once again, our response is prayer. Our response is reaching out and letting those around us know that we're praying for them and that we're supporting them and, and we're covering them in prayer. And so let's continue to do that. And this morning, we're going to look at the last message in this series called Better Together. And we're going to look at a few close relationships that Jesus had. And what we see in these relationships, what it means to us as Christians and, and what principles we can take away from these things. And so I talked a few weeks ago about how Jesus was very close with these 12 young men. I mean, the oldest one was probably Peter and he was just 20 years old and Jesus decides to take three and a half years of his life and pour into them. The last three and a half years of his life and be intentional with these group of guys because he knows that he's gonna leave and, and so he wants to invest something into them. And as you read through the gospel, you see the relationship that Jesus not only has with the 12, but how he has this close relationship specifically with three of them, Peter, John, and James. That there's something unique that's happening um, with Jesus and not only with this group of 12, but with three of them specifically that he's investing in a deeper level. And as I started to read that, as I started to think about it this week, it led me to this question, did Jesus have best friends? Now, I know as you hear that, probably laughing a little bit, some of you may be a little bit offended. Maybe you're thinking, God can't have best friends, right? Like he can't have favorites. He can't have people that he likes more than someone else. Like he can't do that. But as we look at the life of Jesus, we do notice that he had this closer relationship with three of the disciples. And there were times that he let them in on a deeper level than even he did with the other nine that were there that were with him almost the whole time, that Jesus opens, them, opens up his life in a way um, to these three. And so we're gonna look at that. And, and as I was thinking about this, yesterday I was out on a walk with my kids. We were going to the library. And as we were coming back, I was talking with Micah, um, one of my sons, and I was like, hey, we don't really walk places anymore. Almost everywhere that we go, we hop in the car. And so we started talking about how people used to walk places. And then we talked about Jesus and the disciples walking places. And Micah asked this question, so we were talking about Jesus and the disciples. He's like, Dad, did Jesus ever laugh? Did he ever just kind of cut up or make jokes with the disciples? And I was like, yeah. And I talked with him about a few passages in the Bible where I think Jesus is making jokes. But I started to think, you know what? We don't really see Jesus like that a lot of times, do we? Like we read through the Gospels and you see him doing these amazing things like blind eyes are being opened, people that were lame, that had never walked, they're beginning to walk, dead people are being raised, he's teaching about the kingdom of God, he goes to the cross, he dies for our sins, he's raised again to new life, and when we read through that, we get an understanding of that Jesus is the son of God. Like we see him operating on a whole nother level, and we realize, man, that's God at work here on our earth. But what we often miss or what we often don't see is that not only was Jesus fully God, but he was fully human. And that means everything that you and I go through, apart from living a sinful life and, and falling into temptations, Jesus experienced all those emotions that we go through, yet he never sinned. And so we see times in the Bible where Jesus got angry. He got frustrated at people. He got mad at people. Once again, he never sinned, okay, but he experiences those range of emotions. We see Jesus hurting. 
He wasn't just this stoic individual that never experienced emotions. We see him outside of the grave of Lazarus, and he's weeping. He's weeping for one of his close friends that has just died. Even though moments later, Jesus is going to walk up to the tomb. He's going to pray. Lazarus is going to come back to life. Jesus was hurting in that moment because he had lost a good friend of his that he was really close to. Jesus laughed. He sang. He probably danced. He was human just like we are. And because of that, Jesus had close friends. And yes, he probably even had best friends. He had people that he knew that he needed to be in relationship with. What we're talking about, we're better together. Jesus knew that for his life, and he practiced that. And so I want us to look at this scripture and look at what principle we see and how we apply that to our life. So if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 8. We're going to start reading at verse 49. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, maybe one seat over, and you can take that out and turn to page 505 in that Bible in the seat in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, that's actually one of the gifts that we have for you this morning. You can take that home with you and continue to read more stories about the life of Jesus and what he did while he was here on this earth. And when you have that, just hold on to that for one moment and I'll kind of catch us up where we're at in the book of Luke. So in the book of Luke at this point, Jesus has begun his kind of what's known as his public ministry. And he's grown in popularity. Um, Stories of him providing healing, of of doing the miraculous has spread all throughout the nation of Israel. And so he can barely go anywhere without this crowd of people, hundreds or thousands around him at all times. This is the paparazzi, okay? He's constantly surrounded. People want to know what he's doing. And so they're constantly following him wherever he goes. And Jesus is traveling from one place to another when a man runs up to him and says, Jesus My daughter's at home and she's sick and she's dying. But I know if you'll simply come, Jesus, if you'll come to my house and you'll pray for her, I know that she can be all better. I know that you can do that. So Jesus agrees and he says, yes, I'll come with you. And as they're going along the way, crowds of people around him, Jesus stops everyone and he says, someone touched me. And the disciples are probably laughing. Yes, someone touched you, Jesus. There's thousands of people around us. Someone's going to touch you. And he said, no, this was different. I felt power go out from me. There's something unique about this. And this woman comes and she says, yes, I've been suffering with this issue of blood is what she says. For over a decade, I've paid doctors. Um, I've spent all of my money trying to get a cure. And I haven't been able to find any. But Jesus, I knew if I could just touch you that I would be made well. And that's what happened. I came up, I just touched the bottom of your robe. And in that moment, I was instantly healed. 10 years of pain and suffering gone in just that one moment. And Jesus looks at her and says, your faith has made you well. Go, you're made whole. There's no more sickness in your body. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter eight, verse 49. This is what it says. And while Jesus was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house, this is the man with the sick daughter came And said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead, but taking her by the hand, He called saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned and she got up at once and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them 
to not tell anyone what had happened. So what's going on here? They're traveling. There's this large group of people. This young girl has died, and Jesus said, hey, I'm still going to go. And they get to the, the mother and the father's house. They get right outside of there. And Jesus, with this 12, group of 12 men, with this crowd that were always around him, he looks at nine of the disciples, and he says, hey, you need to stay outside. Now, I have to think that's a tremendously awkward moment, right? Like where he looks at all of them and says, hey, I know you've come with me up to this point. I know you've been with me. You've seen me do all of these things, but you can't come inside of the house. But hey, Peter, James, and John, go ahead, go ahead and come to the front up here. And you come inside and you see what's about to happen. They're probably everyone else outside is wondering what's taking place, what's going on. But for some reason, Jesus invites these three into that room. And they see just a little bit more of who he is as the son of God. Their, their eyes are opened in another way that he is the resurrection and the life. Not just something that's going to happen at the end of his life, there in that moment as the son of God, that he has power over death and over the grave. And he invites Peter, James, and John to see that on a more intimate, on a more detailed level. And then before they leave the room, what does he say? Oh yeah, this is just between us, you guys. No one else can know about this. You can't go out and talk to any of the other disciples. You can't let anyone else know. See, Jesus was inviting them in to a deeper part of who he was. And we see this principle. We see it at another time. Jesus shows us you need friends in your life. You need people who are close to you who know who you really are. We need that. We're better together. And Jesus knew that for his own life. There need to be people in your life, church, who know you on that deeper, more intimate level, who you can be real with. We see this later in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 17, you can write that down and go back and read it some point this week. But there's this amazing thing that happens. Jesus is with the 12 again. They walk up to the side of this mountain. And once again, Jesus looks at the nine and says, you stay here. Peter, James, and John, come up to the mountaintop with me. And so they do, these three men. And when they're there on the mountain, Jesus is transformed, okay? Not talking Optimus Prime or Bumblebee here, okay? But he is changed into this glorified body. He's glowing. And they begin to see Jesus as he is in heaven, fully, his majestic, his glorified self, who he is as God, and they are amazed. They get to see Moses and Elijah come down to the mountain and have this conversation with Jesus. Only three people know what was said on that mountaintop besides Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. They hear the voice of God booming from this thunderous cloud. They hear God's audible voice. And then at the end of it, before they head back down, what does Jesus say? Oh yeah, you can't share this with anyone. You can't tell anyone what's going on. What you've seen about me, don't share that with anyone until after my death and my resurrection, until after I've already ascended to heaven. You're not allowed to tell anyone what you saw here. This is just between us. And I look at this, and as odd as it may seem to us, as difficult as it is, Jesus knew that he needed people that were close there in his life. As much as he was fully God in those moments, as much as he was demonstrating who he was with all the power of God inside of his human flesh, inside of this human body, he was also just like you and me. And he knew that there were people that he needed in his life just as a person that were close with him that could see who he really was. He knew that he was better together with the group of close friends than he was on his own, that there were people that he wanted to be in relationship with. 
And church, we need to realize that we desperately need friends who are close enough to us, who get close enough to us to know who you really are, who see behind the mask, who see behind everything else that we put up to kind of shield ourselves from people who get to know us on that deeper level. We need those kinds of relationships. We're better together with each other than we ever are on our own. I can remember a number of years ago, Sarah and I, we were youth pastors in Peoria, Illinois, and we had just gotten to the church there. We hadn't been there that long, and we became really good friends with the other youth pastors there. We were over the high school students. They were over the junior high students, so we did a lot of stuff together, and we began to really develop this friendship and this relationship, and one day, we were headed towards their house and think we were going to go grab lunch together, and someone else had our kids, and so we were swinging by to pick them up, and um, our friends Brian and Danny, they came out of their house, and it was one of those moments where it seems like the conversation stops when you enter or when they entered into the van. I don't know if you've ever been there, but Sarah and I are awkwardly looking at each other like, do we say something? This feels a little weird. What's going on here? And so Sarah says, hey, is everything okay? Like, is everything going okay? What's going on? And they had the option in that moment to do what we probably most of the time default and do and say, yeah, everything's fine. We're okay. Like, let's go grab some food together. But they didn't. They just kind of paused there for a moment. And they said, hey, we're going to be honest. We've been fighting with each other. Brian's an idiot. He won't listen to me. So Danny's saying that. And Brian's like, I'm frustrated with her because she won't listen to my point of view. And in this moment, they opened up on a deeper level. And they just said, hey, I know we're supposed to be pastors and we're supposed to put on this front like everything's okay, but I'm really frustrated with my spouse right now. And I can almost pinpoint that moment in our relationship where things changed. And it not only affected the conversation that day where Sarah and I were like, hey, that's exactly how we are. I don't understand why Sarah doesn't see things the right way, my way. Um, and, and so I feel for you, Brian. You know, there, it was that moment where things opened up, but not only there, but in the future, we could be honest with each other because they opened that door to us. And there were moments in the future where we could share the hurts that we were going through, the frustrations that we had, the questions that we had, the doubts that we had. Why? Because they chose in that moment to show who they really were, to say, hey, we're going to let you in on that deeper level. We're going to become a little bit closer. In church, you desperately need that in your life. If you're trying to do this on your own, if you're trying to do this by yourself, you're doing it wrong. That's not how God designed you to be. Even Jesus shows us that example. We need people who know the real us, who know who we are on that deeper level that we can open up to. And you're gonna be a stronger Christian when you have someone else in your life who knows what you're really going through, who knows those struggles and those temptations and your joys and your fears and all of those things. You're gonna have a strong marriage when you bring other couples alongside of you and say, hey, we're not trying to put up this front that we're perfect, but here's who we are and we want to learn from each other. You're going to be a better parent, a better employee, a better worker when you have other people that really know who you are on the inside. This is how you were meant to live, church. You were never meant to do this thing alone. We are better together and we see this in the life of Jesus, this illustration but it's not only the close friends, that's the first thing that we see, but it's also his relationship with God. It's not only the people that he brings closer to see who he really is as an individual, but it's his relationship with his father. And if you still have your Bibles open, turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It's on page 488 in that um, Bible there in front of you. 
And Jesus, this is rewinding a little bit. This is when he's first starting out in his ministry, when he's first starting out um, really his public ministry, and he's starting to do things. We see one evening where there's a lot of sick people that come. There's people that are demon-possessed that are coming to Jesus, and they're being healed, and they're being set free. And this goes on late into the evening, and Jesus is there with his disciples, and finally they pull away from the crowd, and they get a little bit of rest. And then this is what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. It says, And Jesus, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. While it was still early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. There was any day in the life of Jesus probably where he could have slept in a little bit, could have reached over, hit the snooze button, and said, God, I'll be with you in a little bit. It could have been that day. He had just spent almost the better part of his night ministering, ministering to people who were broken, healing the sick, and yet he chooses to set this principle in his life. I'm going to get up early, and I'm going to go spend time with my father. I'm going to get up early, even after the busyness of yesterday, and I'm going to go spend time with God. I need that in my life. Jesus shows us that principle. You're too, bris- you're too busy, church, not to pray. You're too busy, church, not to pray. With everything that we face, with everything that is going in our, in our life, we need those moments where we get apart, where we separate ourselves from the crowd and from everything else that you have to do, from everything else that you face, and you just spend time with God. You talk to him, you reconnect with God, and he speaks into your life, and you get refreshed for whatever it is that you have to face in that new day. I was listening to a preacher recently And he was sharing about how he used to travel to different parts of the world. And he shared how he was in Southeast Asia. And he was in all of these different towns and all of these different villages. And they were sharing with people um, who didn't know about Jesus and answering questions about Christianity. And he said, one night I found myself in a room and he had a translator that was with him. and was kind of guiding him around the country that they were in. And he said, we found ourselves in a room and it is full of Buddhist monks. And he's like, it's just emotionally draining as we're trying to talk to them and to tell them about Christ and what Jesus had done and answer their questions, how Christianity um, speaks about truth and how Jesus came and gave his life for our sins. And he said, we felt emotionally kind of just wasted at the end of the night. He said, there was a few of them that came forward at the end and committed their life to Christ. He said, we prayed with one of them that was demon possessed and he was freed. And he said, it was about midnight or one o'clock in the morning when we finally dragged ourselves back to our hotel room. And he said, I didn't even get changed. I just collapsed on the bed. He said, I had been asleep maybe three hours when I hear the guide who was with me, the translator, get up. As he did every morning. And he went to the top of the building, the hotel building that they were staying on. He said, I could hear him through the thin ceiling that was up there. And I heard him begin to cry out, begin to pray, begin to talk to God. He said, I'm going to be honest, I fell back asleep. He said, I got up a couple hours later. I did my morning devotions, got some breakfast. And he said, but then I had to ask him, why? Why did you get up early on this morning? On any morning when you could have slept in, you know, when we had given so much, when you probably needed more rest, why did you do that? And he said, he talked to this Christian leader and he said, you know what? I felt like it was so important on this morning to be with Christ, especially after a night of wrestling with the devil. 
He said, I knew it was so vital after everything that we had given out the night before, everything that we had faced, everything that we had been for, been through, that I reconnect with God, that I spend time with the creator, that I get alone with him. And church, we need to realize that in our life, you're too busy not to pray. With everything you face, with everything that we see going on in the world, church, we need to have that time where we get apart by ourselves and we cry out to God with what's going on, with the evil that we see around us, with all of the temptation and the sin that we face in our world on times where it feels like we're wrestling against the devil, where we're wrestling against evil. We vitally need prayer as a pivotal part of our life to get up early in the morning and say, God, I'm going to carve out time before I do anything else in the day and I'm gonna spend it with you, God. I want you to speak to me what I need in my life. Prayer was a vital part. This relationship with God was a cornerstone of Jesus' life here on this earth. We see this in Matthew chapter 14. Once again, you can write this down. You can go back and read it later in the week, but this, this time where Jesus does one of the most amazing things, he takes a little boy's lunch, just a few small fish, a few loaves of bread, and he multiplies it to feed 5,000 people. And then in this excitement, this crowd, this mob of over 5,000 people begin to rush towards Jesus. And it says that they're going to take him by force and make him king. They're wanting to overthrow the Roman Empire. And they're wanting to establish Jesus as the king in that moment. And what does he do? He sends the disciples away. He sneaks away from the crowd. He dismisses them. He goes to the side of the mountain and he prays. He prays, church. Now, we're not told exactly what that prayer is, but I truly believe he knew in that moment he needed to reconnect with God. Prayer was vital in that moment. He needed to be reminded from God that he was not here for an earthly throne. He was here for a cross. He wasn't here to be established as a king and have some earthly kingdom. He was here to give his life to save the world. And that's what prayer does. Whenever you get alone with God in those moments when you need clarity, prayer re-clarifies your purpose. Prayer helps you understand when you get alone with God what those priorities should be in your life. And Jesus was reminded on that mountainside. He was reminded in the garden right before he died. He spent time praying because he said, God, not my will, not my purpose, not what I want, not my priorities, God, but what you want for my life. I surrender everything that I am to you. See, Jesus, even the son of God knew the most important relationship in his life was being close to God. It's carving out time in his day, spending it with his father, spending it with God. We desperately need that in our life, church. We desperately need those moments where we connect with God. And this is how we're going to respond this morning. I've got a homework assignment for you this week. And it's we need to follow the example of Jesus. We need to look for those relationships that God has placed in our life for people that we can draw close to us, that we can be open, that we can be honest with, that can see the real us, that we're not covering up or we're not hiding from. We can grow together with because we believe we're better together. So that's what I'm asking you to do this week. And here's how we're gonna do it. We're gonna challenge ourselves as a church to eat together. And that is that you would find those close friends, you would find those people that God has placed in your life and you would have a meal with them. We're doing it this way because it's so much easier to get with people when good food is involved, isn't it? So we want you to do that. 
Take them out to lunch. If they're here this morning, maybe ask if they're available for lunch after the service. Maybe schedule dinner with them this week or breakfast on Saturday. Don't go this week, go through this week without connecting with the people that God has placed close in your life. And when you're out with them, have a real conversation with them. Not just about what's going on or what's work like or what family is like, but ask them what's taking place in their heart, what God is speaking to them about, what they're facing, what they're dealing with, what they're going through. And we want to encourage you to do this. And so we're going to ask when you're together, take a picture of your food, take a picture of the group that is there with you. You can post that on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, tag NCC Let's Go. And we're going to pick one of those and we're going to pay for your meal because we want to encourage you to do that. We want to be a church that invests in those relationships, that encourages one another that, hey, we need people in our life that are close to us, that know who we really are. And then this morning, we're going to spend just a moment or two just focusing in on our relationship with God. And I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. And I've been talking about prayer and that relationship with God, but I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room here this morning. Maybe you're new to church. Maybe you've been coming for a while. And as I've been talking about how we're designed for a relationship, we're better together. Maybe you're thinking, you know what? I don't have that relationship with God. You're talking about prayer and talking with God, but I've never taken that first step to really commit my life to him. And I'm here to tell you, church, that Jesus is present just like he was with the disciples here this morning. He's inviting you to get to know him better. He wants to get to know you. He wants that relationship with you. And so if that's you in a moment, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to to respond. The word of God is very clear. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We're all sinful people and we can't fix ourselves, you guys. We can't do it on our own. Jesus came and paid the price. He gave his life. He died on the cross for your sin, for my sin, so that we could be restored in a right relationship with him. And if that's you, you're you're saying, Aaron, I want that fresh start. Want that brand new start. I want that relationship with God. I know I need to work on that. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're sitting at? Then you can put it back down. I want to pray for you. Anyone at all will take just a moment. If God's speaking, don't miss this opportunity. If God's speaking to you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put it back down after you've lifted it up. Church, I'm going to ask if we would all pray this together, whether you're saying it for the first time, whether you've prayed it before. Let's repeat this after me. Jesus, I come to you. I know I'm broken. I need you in my life. So I ask you to come in. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a brand new start. I want a relationship with you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together and celebrate with those that prayed that this morning? And if you're here and you prayed that and you were, you're saying, Aaron, I want to reconnect in that relationship or I'm just starting that relationship this morning, please grab one of our pastors after service. We want to pray with you and we want to encourage you. And then I want us to take communion together this morning. So 
in the seat right in front of you, there are these elements right here. And I'm gonna ask if you would grab those. Just hold them in your hand for a moment. Don't take them yet. We're gonna partake together. Here at New Community Church, you don't have to be a member. You don't have to belong here or come all the time in order to take communion. We believe that God has given us this, that as believers, as followers of Christ, that we could remember what he has done. And so we're just gonna take a quick moment. The word of God says whenever we're together like this, whenever we take communion, this bread and this juice, whenever we drink this, that we would examine our hearts. We would make sure that we're right before God. So I'm gonna ask that we would just take a quick moment and do that right at your seats. Just say, God, is there anything this week that I need to repent for? God, is there anything that I need your forgiveness for? And let's do that for just a quick moment. God, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Anything in my life this week, God, that hasn't pleased you, Lord, any sin, Lord, that I've allowed in, I'm asking for your forgiveness, God. Lord, I want our relationship to be right, God. So cover me, Lord. Jesus, cover me with your blood again that brings that forgiveness. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 26 that Jesus, when he was there with his disciples, the last night before he was going to the cross, he was eating a meal with them and he took the bread that was there on the table and he gave it to them. He broke it and he handed it out to each of the disciples and he said, hey, this is my body which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, you do it in remembrance of me. He took the cup there and he said, this is a symbol. It's of my blood that's being poured out. What's gonna happen on the cross? My blood that's being shed for your sins, for the forgiveness of the world's sins. So every time that you drink this, you do this in remembrance of me. Church, I want us to just thank God. I want us to take a moment and thank him for his body. If you're here this morning and you're suffering, you've got some kind of physical pain in your body, his body was broken for you so that you could know healing. Church, you're facing something in your life. There's sin that keeps on creeping up inside of you. The word of God said that his blood was shed for you so that we could know freedom and we could know victory. And so let's take a moment before we partake of these and let's thank God for what he's given for us. Let's do that together. Lord, thank you for your body, God. You were broken for us, Jesus, every whip, God. Lord, the nails that pierced your hand, God, everything that you went through, Lord, was for us, God, so that we could know your healing. And so, God, I speak that over your church this morning, Lord. Whatever people are facing, God, whatever they're going through, Lord, you are greater than any sickness, God. You're greater than any disease, Lord. You're greater than anything that's going on in our body. And so we claim your healing this morning, God. We say thank you for your blood, Lord. God, we are sinful people, but Lord, your blood covers us, God. It's your righteousness, God. We're broken, Lord, we're flawed, God. But Lord, you see us through your son's righteousness because of your blood that was shed on the cross. And so we say thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Church, let's eat and let's drink this together this morning. Now I wanna ask you if you would just stand. We're just gonna sing this chorus together, declaring the power of God, what he has done, how he has called us to be together with him. Let's stand and sing this.